This ESPN podcast is brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com. Before we get to today's show, I just want to talk about Stamps.com. Getting your mailing and your shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office takes a valuable time. Leasing a postage meter, that's expensive. Well, luckily I know a better way, Stamps.com. You can buy and print your own official U.S. postage for any letter or any package. It's more powerful than a postage meter. You can avoid those time-consuming trips to the post office. And I personally use Stamps.com. And actually, you could too if you if, if you listen to the BS Report, which you obviously do because you're listening to this. If you use the promo code BS for this special no-risk trial, it is a $110 bonus offer. It includes a digital scale up to $55 of free postage. Um, all you have to do is go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BS. Stamps.com. Check it out. The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report, taping us on a Wednesday morning here in Southern California. We have not had this guy on in a while. He always disappears after the NFL uh, playoffs. He goes, he travels the world, he regroups, he gets his energy back in time for April, and now he's here. Bill Barnwell, how are you? Good, buddy. I just recharge. You know, it's like recharging your phone. You just kind of have to give me a little time to get back in the swing of things after football. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a, an especially fun uh, pre-draft month because... The Winston versus Mariota thing is is pretty fun. The mm-hmm. Phil Rivers trade, which, which you wrote about on Grantland last week to Tennessee, which hasn't happened yet, but kind of feels like it's going to happen. That's been great. Adrian Peterson's lingering. The schedule came out. Tebow's back. Is this, is this one of the most fun Aprils in a while, right? Right. It feels like last year we kind of knew what was going to happen. We knew Jeff, Jeff and Clowney was going to go first. We kind of had an idea of what was going to happen. Uh, basically, the big thing was, oh, is someone going to trade up for Sammy Watkins? Is someone going to trade up for Blake Bortles? This year, it kind of seems like Jameis Winston's going to go first. But after that, all hell can break loose. Philip Rivers could be traded. He could not be traded. The Titans could trade up. We still kind of think the Eagles might trade up for Mariota. Uh, Peterson's still in play, like you said. There's a lot of different things in play here. So a way more exciting draft this year, I think, than a year ago. And the one thing we, we should mention, even though you are our hardcore NFL guy and you write a million NFL columns for us, you you have not really you, you don't go overboard with the draft. You it could go, that could go one of two ways. That's almost like falling into its own abyss. And mm-hmm. I actually think you play that correctly. You know what's going on, you know who the guys are, you know what the draft needs are for the teams. But you're not sitting there ranking offensive tackles against each other. <laughs> I just feel like I, I can't do that well unless I'm watching players all year every single week. And that's not realistic. I have to watch pro football. So uh, I, I can approach it from a team side, I think, a lot better than I can approach it from an evaluating prospect side. Well, the the uh, the defensive tackle in this draft, I, I always think I, I was on, uh, I forget, I was on Colin's show with mm-hmm. Mel Kuyper on. And I said to Mel Kuyper, Every year there's like a sure thing in the draft. Everybody knows the guy's going to be a sure thing. And yet they don't go first. And this year it's the defensive tackle from USC, I think, right? Uh, Leonard Williams. Terrible the, not, yeah, yeah. He um, is the... It's yeah, like, why, why, why wouldn't he go first? And obviously quarterbacks are overvalued in the draft every year. And if you, mm-hmm. hit, if you hit big with a quarterback, you're set for 15 years. But... I'm always jealous of the team that's third and doesn't have to worry about the hit or miss quarterback and just takes the best guy. Uh, How good have you heard that he is? Well, I know for uh, Robert Mace, who is our our colleague at Grantland, loves Leonard Williams. And uh, I think most people are are pretty big fans of his. I think the concern maybe with Leonard Williams is that maybe he's not a dominant pass rusher. Maybe he's just a great defensive tackle uh, in a 4-3. Maybe he's a great 3-4 end, but he's not the sort of like... Uh, you know, 15 sack a year pass rusher that you hope for with a third overall pick. And I, there's been some kind of negative comparisons to like a Tyson Jackson type where Tyson Jackson went third to the Chiefs and it was kind of, you thought, okay, well, he's going to be a good run defender and he'll sort of uh, establish himself as a uh, impactful pass rusher and he never really got there. He was kind of just always that, you know, decent run defender, not really much else. Um, so I, I think that's sort of where the negative concerns come in that he's not going to be like a, you know, a guaranteed all pro kind of guy. But I, I think that you know his ceiling or his his floor, I guess, is is a lot uh, a lot higher than I think. You know the quarterbacks are put it that way. 
the Todd McShay, the, his latest mock draft has him falling the seventh to the Bears. Would, would really? we have to scrape Mays off the ceiling? What would happen? <laughs> Mays, Mays would be so delighted, especially last year after the Bears passed on Aaron Donald, where we were talking about Aaron Donald for weeks. It's like, oh, oh the, the Giants or the Bears just get Aaron Donald. This is going to be so great. Like, he was the one guy we were both in love with. And, of course, the Giants took Odell Beckham, so I can't complain too much, but uh, the Bears took Cal, or Bears are taking Cal Fuller, and Fuller's a good player, but he's no Aaron Donald. So Mays would be uh, in ecstasy, I think is the fair way to put it. And the other guy who everyone thinks is a sure thing is the Alabama receiver, Amari Cooper, who Mm -hmm. is going to go somewhere between three and seven, probably fourth to the Raiders, because it's just a rule that at all times they have to spend top ten picks on a receiver, if it makes Mm -hmm. remote sense. I Um, I think it does make sense, though. You know, given what they need, given that they they have Derek Carr, they kind of have to take a wide receiver, because you can't rely on Michael Crabtree and James Jones and Andre Holmes when you're evaluating a quarterback. Like, if they don't pick a wide receiver in the first round this year, we're going to be sitting here next you're saying, ah, oh, well, we can't figure out what Derek Carr is until we get him a top wideout. So you might as well do it now when you got a guy uh, with the kind of grade that Amari Cooper has. I think that would make the most sense for the Raiders. The funniest monkey wrench in this in this top seven is that Jacksonville is picking third, and all bets are off. And McShay <laughs> in the in his thing was saying how they might take. This guy Dante Fowler, who's a defensive mm-hmm. end, just because they need a defensive end more than they would need a guy who does the stuff Leonard Williams does. Mm-hmm. Anytime, uh, anytime a team is in the top seven and thinking that way versus, hey, we should just take the best guy. It seems like that that just leads to trouble every time. It really does, and I think the interesting thing about that idea of Dante Fowler going to the Jaguars is that if you remember last year, they were very quiet about Blake Bortles. They didn't say a word about Blake Bortles to anybody. They were terrified of it getting uh, sent out that they were going to pick Bortles, but he was the one guy they wanted all along. They were not going to trade down. They were not going to do anything. They were going to take Blake Bortles. Dante Fowler this year comes out and says, I'd be surprised if the Jaguars didn't take me uh, when they picked third. That doesn't seem like the kind of deal where they were going to take him. So uh, I'm a little skeptical Mm. of that one. They They may take an edge rusher. They may take a a guy like that, and I don't know that they have they have other needs elsewhere. I don't know that they necessarily need to take a pass rusher third, but um, it just seems like they'd be a little more quiet about it if they were sure he was going to be the guy from both sides. Well, I think they could be a Mari Cooper way didn't happen. That wouldn't shock me either. Mm-hmm. If they just drop drop their wad on a receiver and basically said we're all in on Blake Bortles, the advanced stats for Blake Bortles as a rookie <laughs> compared to. Um, other terrible rookie seasons with advanced stats. It really lines up with some of the classics we've had over the last 20 years. I would it say that's a bad sign for Blake Bortles. Yeah. Um, how about this, by the way? Mm-hmm. You can bet on draft positions. Really? Oh, man. According oh, to sportsbook.com, you can. Uh, <laughs> Mark, Marcus Mariota, if, if you're betting that he's one of the first three picks in the draft, it's only minus 235 right now. Mm-hmm. I, can you come up with a scenario where he's not one of the top three picks? Because I can't. It just seems like if he's not the second pick, Tennessee, someone is going to trade up and take him with the second overall yes. pick from Tennessee. Or that, that someone will trade up to the third spot where the Jaguars are. And I think that would be maybe a logical thing for the Jaguars to do is to trade down from that third spot, given that they have so many needs uh, around their roster. But yeah, I, I would be, you know, I, I think people are thinking of the Aaron Rodgers year where it was kind of, you know, we didn't know who was going to get taken first or second. And then. That, that guy who didn't get taken first ended up falling much further than anybody expected. I think people yeah. are remembering that when they're thinking about him falling, but I just can't see it. I mean, can you really imagine if, if he's on the board at three that the Eagles aren't calling the Jaguars and, and not making a, you know, a, a Robert Griffin kind of offer, but at least a, hey, we'll give you our 2016 first rounder to move up and, and take Mariota? I just can't imagine that's not happening. I personally know three or four Jets fans, including Grantland's own Sean Fantasy and one of my <laughs> oldest friends, Jim Grady. Who, uh, who would absolutely have a freak out if Mariota was there at three and the Jets didn't give up whatever plus number six to move up. Mm-hmm. They would have a heart attack if that happened. How would you feel about that as a Pats fan? Because you already I'm have just, to feel a little weird about the Jets. I'm just never going to worry about the Jets. <laughs> it's, not, word. it's one of those, like, prove to me you're competent again before I worry about you. Remus uh, is back there. Yeah, it's fine. Great. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, are we sure Winston's not going first? I uh, mean, are, you, are we sure Winston is going first? I should say. Are we are we positive Tampa's picking him? Does sportsbook have odds on that? They do. 
What, what are they the odds? Do have Winston, odds? What are the um, odds on Winston going first overall? Uh, minus six hundred. Minus six hundred. Wow, that's a that's a little high for me. I, I I feel like there's a little more doubt than that indicates. I still think he's going to go number one. I really do. But uh, I think if you're Tampa Bay, I think you have to at least float the idea that you're considering taking Mariota number one. Because maybe if uh, the Eagles or or the Chargers or someone are going to blow you away with an offer to take Mariota, you at least want to have them calling you. You don't want to necessarily make the trade unless you have a deal that's absolutely favorable in your case. Maybe you're, you really want Sam Bradford. Maybe you really want Philip Rivers or somebody. Uh, and you, you're willing to take three number ones if that's what those teams are offering. But you have to at least float it out there as a possibility. But I still think they take Winston number one. I just don't think that minus 600 is the uh, level of certainty I would have on that, put it that way. I wonder what what else is going to come out about his uh, his his incident, shall we call mm-hmm. it, when he was in college. Because there was a, a thing in Vice today where um now that now that uh the accuser is filing a civil suit mm-hmm. which i think people expected it had some details in there that um it makes me wonder the more stuff that comes out closer to the draft if if that would start to make teams skittish like i don't think it could be ruled out that more stuff is going to come out people are going to go nuts and and he ends up not going first and maybe dropping it's possible it's, it's in play but I mean, you know, I don't trust NFL teams' ability to judge this stuff really well. I mean, look at last year. Not not that it's the same level of of an off field incident, but look at Johnny Manziel, where he went right. ahead of Teddy Bridgewater, and the Browns were, I'm, I'm sure, pretty confident that they had evaluated him properly, and he ended up being a, a, a mess his first season uh, on yeah. and off the field. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't really think that teams judge that in the same way that maybe we judge it looking at it from the outside for better. Well, or you're, worse. Li- you're looking at it like, uh, what info do they have compared to what are they evaluating internally versus mm-hmm. what the character of the player, all that stuff. I'm looking at this more from like a public pressure standpoint. Mm-hmm. When you think about everything that's happened with the NFL the last eight nine months with domestic violence and. Just how how hyper aware now people are of any indiscretions with NFL players, and if this civil suit, if more evidence keeps coming out that that um, that this just was not good for him in a lot of different ways, um, I, w- I just wonder. I wonder if that makes somebody blink. I I think, put it this way, he's not going to the draft, you know. Right. Uh, so obviously that there, there's something here, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. If I if I'm Tampa, I'm watching all that stuff pretty closely. It would be fascinating if he if he didn't go first, but uh, especially because Mariota is kind of like you know he's kind of the opposite kind of pick, where it's just a safe character guy. Right, he, he's sort of the squeaky clean option, and and I, I mean it's possible, and I think that if he was to fall, that would be the reason why it would happen, but. I just you have to figure Tampa Bay thought about this stuff already, and, and yeah, I agree. Even if they, they they probably thought about it in December because they knew they were going to be you know probably in the running for that in January and February. So I can't imagine something's going to come out that's going to necessarily surprise them, and I can't imagine that uh, at this point, if they've made up their mind to do it, that something's going to come out over the next month that that's the public pressure is going to force them to do something different. I just don't think teams are, um, you know, teams think that way. Yeah. Who would you they take? should. Who would I take is a good question. If I was Tampa Bay or if I'm just in a vacuum, I have my own I would trade down if I was Tampa Bay. I would trade down in every situation when I have the opportunity to. Uh, I, I would trade for Philip Rivers if I was Tampa Bay. That's what I would try and do. Cause and get, and really get other good. stuff? If I can. I mean, I, would you trade the first overall pick for Philip Rivers straight up right now? No. Really? No way. I would not. He was he was maybe the MVP of the league through the first month of the last season. I read your piece. I, I the age part of him worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're talking about catching a guy who's I've, how old is he exactly? Because he's 70, about to hit his mid thirties, right? Seventy seven years old. He is thirty four. But yeah, you have so to remember, he's in his mid thirties. Yeah, he also I believe has no ACL in one of his knees. So it's kind of like like an older dog. Like you learn to adapt to that kind of stuff. He he knows what he's doing at this point. What if it was the number one pick? For Rivers and number seventeen, and a conditional first in like 2018, depending on <laughs> if a couple things broke a certain way. A Ted Stepien trade. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I think. I, I think that's that's still in question for me because I think Tampa Bay, and I'm gonna a dangerous thing to say given what's happened with Tampa Bay in the past, but they're not that far away. 
I no, always I feel like <laughs> we both liked them last year, and we were a little bit off, uh, basically on their entire offense. Well, that May, didn't work May, out for us. May, Mays had them winning, I believe, ten games last year. I was not quite as high. Yeah, Mays was higher than you were, but all, all three of us thought they were going to be frisky. Yes, they were not frisky. No, but all the numbers say they are. They are the team like like they're like the Texans last year, where they are the team that has the uh, uh, the largest gap between how they performed and their win loss record. So you would expect them to get better, not necessarily be good, but. If they get better, and if they get a massive upgraded quarterback to, to someone who was a very good quarterback last year, they could get good quickly. If I was Tennessee, mm-hmm. I would not trade the number two for for Rivers unless I also got the number 17. And I don't yeah. care. You had that. What's that thing you have where you, you rate all the rankings of the different, what's that, the draft charter? Mm-hmm. Draft value What's chart. that called? Uh, Chase Stewart draft value chart. perspective. Yes. You don't care I what the draft value I would throw the draft value chart out. I would be like, look, I don't care what that chart says. Here's what mm-hmm. I want. I want Rivers and I want 17, and I'll give you two. And that's my <laughs> and that's the deal. Or I'm not making it. Or I'm just happy taking Marcus Mariota. He's 22. I'll mm-hmm. take my chances. Mm-hmm. And possible. if I'm San Diego, if I'm San Diego and Phil Rivers is unhappy and he's leaving in a year, I'm making that trade. The other fascinating thing I think thing that's going to end up being the trade. You think they'll actually get the first round pick as well? Yes, and I think they'll end up throwing in like a third. Because wow. he, look at where you are if you're San Diego right now. Mm-hmm. Not only does, is Rivers going to leave in a year, but you also have this whole football stadium thing going on, and your team might move. And you're in a situation now where either A, you are moving, and you want like a face of the franchise for when you move, or B, you might end up staying, but you have these fans now that think you're going to screw them over, and for the first time you might – you know, it might be that weird little ambiguous season, kind of like that last Brown season before the mm-hmm. Browns left, where the fans are kind of drifting away from the team. That's not, you know, it's not helping that as if Phil Rivers is about to leave. Right. So I think they need Mariota. I think they need some sort of hope and some sort of sign for the future that something good is going to happen and to kind of take the fans' minds off the way of whatever the stadium issue is. And that's why they have to trade. Well, think about it like Does the... Does that make sense? It does make some sense, but think about like... Seattle, when Seattle had Kevin Durant that last year before they left, it, it didn't it didn't make things that much better for the uh, for the fans in Seattle when they knew that the team was leaving. And even though they had Kevin Durant, it wasn't like oh well, you know we get, at least we get Kevin Durant for a year. They were still pretty unhappy when things left. Chargers, I mean, well, but they knew but they knew the team was leaving though. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm saying in this case, they might not know if the team is leaving, staying, whatever. It might just be this thing that hangs over the team the whole year, mm-hmm. and on top of that, Rivers will be leaving. You know, it, at least if Mariota's there. And what if he's great? Maybe that helps push the stadium along. Like, you just don't know. I, I don't know. I just think they need him. Of all the teams, they need him and the Jets need him. Mm-hmm. Would be the it, two, I would say. Would be like they need the hope and whatever he represents. It just seems very interesting because yeah. not, not only is Philip Rivers a free agent after the season, after 2015, but Eric Weddle is a free agent, their best defensive player. Antonio Gates is mm-hmm. a free agent. Corey Legion is a free agent. I mean, it seems like they are kind of in a spot now where they are either going to dramatically change their team in 2016, which you would think might be related to moving, or they're going to keep it with, with the same sort of core players and just re-sign their veterans. And... I don't know. It's one of those things where they have the best idea of how likely they are to be moving uh, in, in 12 months and how likely they are to be having Philip Rivers who wants to play for them or not. And it's in their best interest to kind of keep that as vague as possible. For all I know, Philip Rivers desperately wants to leave and there's a 0% chance that they're staying and there's a 0% chance that he's going to play there next year. So uh, it, the, the best thing for them is to kind of keep that as vague as possible. And this probably can't work with the cap because he just signed a big contract, but if you were San Diego, would you trade the number two for Kaepernick and number fifteen? Um, I, I I wouldn't be opposed to them trading for a quarterback and trying to transition as quickly as possible. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're saying you're saying Tennessee would trade for Kaepernick? No, I'm saying uh, yeah, Tennessee. I'm sorry, uh, Tennessee number two to San Francisco for Kaepernick and fifteen. Hmm. And what would San Francisco do? Would they take Mariota second? Yeah. Interesting. I I mean, they just go full rebuild, just full, <laughs> full fledged. It's like we're stinking this year. They really seem like they're going to stink I, anyway. Actually, it, I, I've been reading. They're the team in in Vegas that's had the most action 
the most sharp action on the under for the Niners in Vegas, or for any NFL team in Vegas, has been the Niners so far. And it does make some sense, given that they've had Borland and Willis retire. They haven't really addressed their needs. And uh, it would make some sense. I mean, it would definitely save the money on the cap, but it would be basically not, I wouldn't be giving up on this season because who knows how good Mariota's going to be, but it would be tough. They're, they're just going through so much transition at this point. I think they probably, if they're going to make that kind of trade, they need to focus on defense more than they do on offense. If you and I lived in Vegas together, we would have been <laughs> at the sports book on 1201 when those over-unders went up, pounding the under on San Francisco. <laughs> Between all the people they lost, the the weird coach that they have now, I, I, the, all this function, I would have loaded up on, on Niners under. That would have been mm-hmm. my pick. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. It's it's going to go down to eight, I think. I think it was eight and a half, and it's going to go down to eight. But you would think that that's a logical place to go. I mean, like they, I remember reading... It was on ESPN Chalk, I believe, that you know they got six thousand dollar bets, the max bet on the Niners under within like a few days of the bet going up. So that should tell you uh, what, what wow. people thought about the uh, people thought about the Niners under. Put it that way. Here's one more trade scenario that that's going to uh, excite you, and, mm-hmm. and also might put Mays into a coma. So the Rams <laughs> are sitting there. The Rams are sitting there at number ten. Mm-hmm. We just talked about there's a chance Leonard Williams, who is is either the best or the second best prospect in this draft, depending on mm-hmm. how you feel about Winston. I think Winston is considered a better quote unquote prospect. I think Williams is a safer bet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance Williams might fall to like five, six, seven, and the Rams are at ten, mm-hmm. and the Rams are loaded with with defensive linemen. That's true. Uh, obscenely loaded. And could actually package one of those with number ten to move up to number five or whatever to take Leonard Williams. Like, couldn't you see them doing something like that? It seems like they're kind of in that Giants mentality of let's get as many defensive linemen as possible and just d- destroy teams with how great our front four is. Yeah. Um, given that they not only did they uh, draft Aaron Donald last year, but they I believe they signed Nick Fairley as well, who was probably they the did. second best defensive tackle in the market. It, it like they have so many holes elsewhere that. That might tip the scales too much. Like, just you're just right. it, it just seems like 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 when you don't when you have a question mark at quarterback, you probably could still take a wide receiver. Your cornerbacks are, are pretty weak. It, it maybe isn't the best idea, but it would be fun to watch some team just have the like you know maybe uh, three of the ten best defensive line prospects in football playing at the same time. It'd be great. Mays, yeah. Mays would definitely move to St. Louis and watch them full time. What do you, I haven't had you on the BS report since the uh, Jimmy Graham trade. What did you? I know what you wrote about it, but tell our audience what you thought of it. I was super intriguing. I mean, when, when do you see a team that just won the Super Bowl make that kind of, or well, just was in the Super Bowl and won the year before make that kind of aggressive trade? Yeah, uh, it, it was more about the Saints for me than the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks needed to add a receiver, and the wide receiver uh, options that were going to be available in free agency were not that great. Max Unger was a guy who was very talented but had a lot of injury issues. And for them, it's a chance to sort of take a flyer on Jimmy Graham. They can have him for one or two years, see what, see what he has left on the tank and how he fits with that offense, and uh, hopefully get a number one option for Russell Wilson to work with in the years to come. And for the Saints, I mean, I wrote about them in November about how their cap situation was so horribly messed up, and this was kind of the offseason where they had to start atoning for that. You saw them. Uh, they traded Ben Grubbs. They traded Jimmy Graham. They brought in Max Unger. Uh, they traded for a lot of draft picks. They're, they're going to be a team now that's going to sort of be like, uh, not, not not to the same extent the Celtics are, because the Celtics traded for 27 first-round picks or whatever it is, but they have five top 80 picks now, and you would got you got to figure that two or three or maybe even four of them are going to go to the defense, and they're going to try and rebuild the defense on the fly while Drew Brees still has a year or two left in the league. So um, uh, I, I thought it was more about the Saints and the Seahawks, but a really fascinating trade, and I think a trade that could help both sides if things work out the way it seems. I thought it was the equivalent of of a guy coming home and seeing his living girlfriend having sex with his best friend and he just panics and like a month later he's living in Hawaii and he's decided to buy a bar there and he's just like no this is going to be great I'm fine it, to me it just felt like the kind of thing the kind of like crazy move you make after you've just been through some sort of a tragedy or horrible experience the 2014 season was, was pretty traumatic yeah, no, but, no, I'm I mean, talking if, about the, the Seahawks. Well, the, the Seahawks. Oh, so you're saying it just a reaction to that final play and that they went out and got you. Yeah, I think, that, I think that was the worst loss in the history of any Super Bowl. And I think everybody in that organization was shell-shocked and they wanted a 
hold on to some sort of new piece of hope and just kind of shake the snow globe a little bit so that maybe it would look a little different than it looked three months ago. It's like, hey, we got Jimmy Graham. And if we had Jimmy Graham, maybe we would have thrown to him instead of our fifth receiver on the biggest play of the season. And uh, I just think they caught him a year too late or maybe two years too late. I, he wasn't that good last year. He wasn't. He did take a he step backwards wasn't. last year. And I, I, I like the idea yeah. of going back in time and repeatedly doing that. Like the Bills after the Scott Norwood play, they trade like two first round picks for the best kicker in football. It's right. like, look at this for new Morton kicker Anderson. we got. He's great. Yeah, <laughs> He's 32. He's got 10 more years left in the league. We have a time machine. We know this is possible. And the Bills win three more Super Bowls with Martin Anderson kicking field goals. It's great. Um, I, I could see that side of it. But I think that. Uh, the Seahawks are such a fascinating team because they sort of have invested so much in their secondary, and the secondary is great, but what they were great at over the past couple of years with Pete Carroll was taking no-name players in the secondary and turning them into superstars. So now it's sort of like that that avenue to having cheap talent is turned off, and Russell Wilson is going to be getting an enormous raise in the next few weeks, or probably the next few weeks, if not the next year. So uh, they're going to kind of have to transition from being a team where they have some of the best players in football making a million dollars or two million dollars a year to being a team where they have those guys making premium salaries and they're going to have to sort of keep accruing draft picks and try and find cheaper talent. So I, I don't understand it from that perspective, but the risk isn't that high. They, they can cut Graham after a year and uh, and not, not owe them anything because these Saints had to uh, absorb the bonuses as part of the trade. So it's kind of a low-risk deal. If they were going to get rid of Unger anyway, which I think may have been the case in, in probably next season, you can do that. But I just... As much as I, I think it'd be a good weapon for them, I kind of wonder, given that they're a team built around running on the interior, having a power running game with Marshawn Lynch, you trade your your, all, your your Pro Bowl quality center, who's injured a lot, but is very good when he plays, and you trade your, you got rid of your left guard, James Carpenter, who went to the Jets in free agency. So they have to kind of rebuild their running game uh, in the years to come. And I think that's sort of where they have to go in this draft to make this trade make sense. You've written on Grantland a bunch of times about what an unbelievable bargain Wilson's contract was and how that mm -hmm. was such an ace in a hole. And then some of the other guys they had, too. Like, when you draft really well in the third and fourth rounds, and even the second round, um, mm -hmm. for a couple years, and you and that can be like 20 to 25% of your core best guys, it is the biggest advantage you can have in football. And now that advantage is over yeah. because all of those guys are about to get paid. They lost some key... Uh, guys the last two years from, from those last two teams and it makes me think like it, it almost makes me appreciate what the Patriots were able to do even more so and how they handled their business that entire time where it, the league is just structured in a way that you're not supposed to succeed at a really high level for three or four years past mm -hmm. that you know and I don't know if the I don't know if Belichick would have made that Jimmy Graham trade is my point I don't know. Belichick likes like blowing things up for in random ways at different points. He likes he likes being ahead of the curve, and this is kind of a. It could be ahead of the curve trade. It could be a behind the curve trade. We're not sure yet. We're going to see in a year. But, uh, I, I I mean, as much as you hate it every year when the Patriots trade their you know the twenty eighth pick in the draft for uh, Razai Dowling and a future second rounder, it does work out a lot of the time. Um, and, and, it does. And I'm sure they're going to do the same thing this year. I mean, I, I, would, I, I would not be surprised, I should say, if they did the same thing this year and traded down and, uh, you know, grabbed extra picks. They're, they're really good at this stuff. How it was explained to me was 32 is the single worst pick you can have. Um, really? For all the reasons you've – from a trade standpoint, people don't want to trade up for 32. Like, they'd rather trade for 33 because the, cut, the way the contracts work at 33 is so much more beneficial than 32. Mm -hmm. So it I think better. the Patriots might actually be stuck there, um, but they'll they'll end up just doing what they normally do and take some guy we've never heard of. I've learned not to doubt the Patriots. That's why <laughs> when like when they did the Mankins trade, you know, last September, it's like, look, ten years ago I would freaked out, but hey, how many times can we doubt this guy? I, he always knows when to when to cut the bait, when to cut the cord. He just knows. It's, that's what he does. I. Uh... Someone, I, I feel really bad for Logan Mankins, who last year, you know, uh, was with the Patriots all through training camp, goes to the Buccaneers and plays on the worst team in football while the Patriots uh, desperately need him for the first month of the year and then recover and win the Super Bowl. That has to be one of yeah. the most brutal, uh, like, like, you know, unexpected year-to-year -year shifts for a player you can imagine. I will say, here, here's where I do disagree with Belichick. I just mm -hmm. thought they should have paid Revis. Mm -hmm. um, I thought... The combination of Belichick with Revis 
was was just unbelievable. They won the Super Bowl, obviously, partly because of it. But what he does and how Belichick is able to use it was just such a perfect marriage. I really think – I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. I really think that all came down to if they had just guaranteed the money that he wanted, he would have stayed. But they couldn't do that because Brady's on this ridiculous contract. you know. And if they're going to guarantee Revis – 48 million for four years when you have Brady who's making you know 28 million mm-hmm. guaranteed for three years I don't know if you can do that then they would have had to address the Brady contract and rip that up give him more money and now you don't have enough money to do anything and it's just all of it was very anti-Belichick it does seem strange Revis is one of those guys where he's maybe the guy in terms of he's played the NFL's contract structure system better than anybody maybe in the past yep. 15 years. He is constantly either climbing for a new deal, or in, he, he deserves it. He's a great player, but constantly trying to prove that he's worth a new deal or clamoring for a new deal or uh, structuring his deals in a way where he's going to get a new contract in two years. So for whatever they wanted to guarantee him, it, it, it makes sense, and I think he's probably worth it. But who knows what Rebus, I think Rebus would have wanted to rip that up in two years. And I don't think Belichick wants to not only run his team that way, but also run his cap that way. I, I just think he wants a little more certainty than, than Revis was probably willing to take as part of a contract. And then that allowed them to get rid of Brandon Browner, who they somehow helped him <laughs> win the Super Bowl and somehow didn't commit pass interference on any of the 17 plays in the Super Bowl that I thought were going to be pass interference. Uh, yeah, so now that they'll just go zone, he'll do Belichick things, he'll draft some guys we've never heard of, and mm-hmm. they'll be good again. The one thing with the Pats, though, and 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 he went to your favorite team, so this is a subject near and dear to your heart. But, man, mm-hmm. Vereen had 11 big catches in that Super Bowl game. And if you watch those last two drives, and I watch that game every time it's on the NFL Network, <laughs> thank you to them for showing it. Uh, Vereen was unbelievable in those last two drives. And that it's one catch, really that one-handed catch? Uh, he's just, he was just money. And and it's it's really hard for me to accept that there's somebody out there who could be as good as Vereen made me feel in those last two drives. I'm sure they have a plan, but man, for you know, it's just classic Belichick, right? He's just mm-hmm. gonna he's not gonna pay one cent more than what a guy's worth. He's just not. And and Vereen was huge on those last two drives and it's like, you know what? Good luck with the Giants. And now <laughs> you get to have them and you you're gonna love Shane Vereen, I'm telling you. I, I already love Shane Vereen. I, I, he, he is the one Giants free agent I am not horribly upset about them signing over this year when yeah. they gave $7 million to a uh, returner uh, and, and, and a kick coverage guy, guaranteed. That, that's a great move. You didn't uh, like that one? I, it wasn't my favorite decision that Jerry Reese has made over the uh, past couple of years. But you, they, mm. they think Traveris Cadet or James White might be the guy who replaces Vereen, um, just like Vereen maybe replaced Kevin Falk when, when Kevin Falk was there forever. I think th- those kind of players, those receiving uh, running backs are the most underrated guys in all of football right now in terms of the value they can offer. Darren Sproles, another example of a guy who got traded for like a fifth or sixth draft pick, was almost cut by the Saints and was probably yeah. the Eagles, you know, was one of the Eagles' best players during the first half of the season on, the, on that offense. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a running back in that vein or if they think that Cadet's going to be that guy, but they're going to have someone play that role. I just don't know if he's going to be quite as good as Vereen was, especially uh, especially this first season. You know who the Pats thought they were getting? Do you know the answer to this question for running back? I do not. No. C.J. Spiller. Really? They they thought that was going to be their guy. And then uh, the Saints came marching in with some ridiculous offer, even though they have one of the worst cap situations in the league. And and apparently the Patriots were, uh, were just flabbergasted. The Patriots don't spend money on running back. The one time they spent money on running back was when they they re-signed Dylan after the Super Bowl year, and they ended up regretting it. It ended up being a mess. Even Maroney, the the first-round pick they used on a running back, was kind of a disaster. So I I think at this point, Belichick's very comfortable just plugging in those low-cost running backs. And I wouldn't be surprised as as much as they need a running back in this draft, I I wouldn't be surprised as them go for a guard instead and try and rebuild the offensive line as opposed to uh, focusing on a running back. They're going to have to get a third down back, just because that the Brady, the way Brady rolls, you just you have to have that. You just have to. So I don't yeah. know how they're going to find that. I don't even know if you can find that in the draft. That seems like though you need like those Wiley guys. They'd say it's really hard for me to imagine a rookie doing that. Mm-hmm. The Scott Chandler thing was interesting though because, you know, now they have two tight ends again that can catch balls, and with, and with Chandler, 
he's one of those guys like like name me the good quarterbacks that have ever thrown Scott Chandler a pass you know like that guy may be Antonio Gates and nobody knows <laughs> that's true I'm just upset that that you've officially it looks like turned on Tim Ray because I think that was sort of the I really enjoyed that like that two month Tim Ray stretch where it was like okay well we traded Logan Mankins for Tim Wright who was that and then people were like no no Tim Wright's really good he's gonna be great and yeah. have like a couple couple catches here and there and he'd be like oh what a great athlete he is and now people have just forgotten about Tim Wright altogether and he's probably gonna be there you know cut and training camp but I, I, i'm intrigued about scott chandler um always an underrated player in buffalo so one of those guys where not that i'm saying he's going to be west walker but west walker was someone who was in the division belichick saw him twice a year and he was definitely in a bad situation for his skills i'm not saying scott chandler is going to be a superstar but if gronk gets hurt and i don't want to say gronk's going to get hurt but it seems like a possibility because that happens seemingly every year uh, chandler could be a guy who was a really poor man's gronk in that offense he also he might have been the leader of the last five years of guys who were wide open over the middle who either the pass was grounded to them or sailed over their head and nearly paralyzed them as the strong safety came in. It, it just seemed like the amount of times he was open versus the amount of times the pass actually landed in his general vicinity was low. Hey, mm-hmm. Sportsbook has uh, which team will draft Mariota odds? Really? Tennessee is the leader at seven to five. Cleveland seven to two. Jets seven to two. Tampa four to one. And then it goes into like the ten to one, fifty one range. But one of them is San Diego is fifteen to one. So they're saying there's fifteen to one odds that that fifteen to one odds that that Rivers trade happens. That seems ridiculous. That does seem very high. I mean, there's got to be probably a half dozen teams ahead of them if they're fifteen to one, no? Yeah. In terms of that, that does seem unlikely uh, that they answer that. that I would say it seems like. Hey, couple more quick things for us to hit. Yeah. You know what? Let's not talk about Tim Tebow. You wrote about him on Grantland. Uh, he's a third-string quarterback, and he's not worth our time. As much as I love him, as much wow. as I enjoyed winning money on the money line, Pittsburgh at Denver uh, in 2011 or 12, whenever that was, uh, God bless Tim Tebow. I'm excited for fourth and God part three, but let's see him make the team first before we talk about him. Adrian Peterson's agent was wearing a Tampa Bay hat in a picture. And people wondered why that was the case. What was your take on that? That seems like you're trying too hard a little bit to make a trade happen. That seems like, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you know a girl likes a band, and if you're in high school, you know a girl likes a band, and you wear that band's t-shirt to school, trying to get her to talk to you. It seems like it's a little too aggressive uh, if you're the agent. I, I don't think that's going to work. I-, I don't know why the Buccaneers would want to trade the first overall pick for Adrian Peterson doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, it just seems yeah. like there's a massive gap between what the Vikings want, which is a first rounder and then some, or at least what they're publicly saying they want and how the league values running backs, especially, you know, 30 plus year old running backs who have massive contracts. And sure. If, it, if it's the 2012 Adrian Peterson, that guy is super valuable, but I'll tell you, I was reading the 2012 or 20, the 2013 trade value column. And I wrote, I put Richard Sherman who was making, a million dollars a year in that column uh, ahead of Adrian Peterson. And you kind of laughed at me and you were like, oh, Adrian Peterson, you know, the Vikings would never make that trade in a million years. I'm not saying that like you were wrong because it doesn't really matter. But in hindsight, that seems crazy. The the Seahawks would trade Richard Sherman for Adrian Peterson in a million years. This doesn't make any sense. So his his value has eroded pretty quickly. And running back value, just that happens with running backs. They don't last very long. And the league knows that now. It's not five years ago where the, where Peterson would have been one of the most valuable assets in all of football. It's just no longer the case. Uh, even the 2013 Adrian Peterson, that guy had 1,266 yards and 279 carries and 10 touchdowns. That's good, but you're not going to pay 10, 11, 12 million dollars a year for that guy. So uh, I, I just don't think there's a match there. And so I think that he's going to end up either uh, staying in Minnesota or having the Vikings dramatically reduce what they want in a trade and trading him for a second round pick or a conditional, you know, first rounder next year or something like that. I would even say that they're better odds. They just keep them and become some sort of a kind of robo sleeper I, I'm for, uh, ve- for 2015, right? Mays and I are very excited about the Vikings. Just, just to warn you now, uh, similar, like similar Buccaneers year. chatter. I'm with they're you. They're good. They, they, they have a lot of things they, you like. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, they were in games the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. They were they were like weirdly reliable. Um, I Peterson, when you think of what their running back situation was last year, mm-hmm. compared to what it's going to be this year, I'm looking up their Super Bowl odds as we're talking. It's a pretty dramatic difference. Yeah, Minnesota is oh, sixty to one to win the Super Bowl. 
60 to 1. But if you think they have North Turner, and North Turner's not a great head coach, but he is a very good quarterback coach. And Teddy Bridgewater is their starting quarterback. Very good for half a season last year. You would think he'd take a step forward in his second year. The receivers should be better. Mike Wallace gives them a threat they didn't have last year. Um, if Peterson's there and he's he doesn't have to be 2012 Adrian Peterson, but just a above average running back, that's suddenly a really good offense. And the defense, I mean, Mike Zimmer's a very good uh, defensive mind as their head coach. And they have a lot of young talent. And if they add a cornerback in this year's draft, uh, they could be a really good defense really quickly. Um, I think the yeah, Lions are going to be worse this year. We liked Mike Zimmer last year. Mike, yeah, we yeah. liked Mike Zimmer last year. They have mm-hmm. the 11th pick, by the way. Yeah. And they have a lot of options. I, I think they could add a cornerback at 11. And uh, they could add Trey Wayne, who's the best cornerback in the draft. And that would really upgrade the weakest spot on their roster. And. You know, it's. I think the Lions are going to be worse this year than they were a year ago. I, I the Packers are still going to be very good, obviously, but it's not out of the question that they could go nine and seven or ten and six by any means. I think you've been writing for Grantland for almost four years. You were one of the first people we hired, and oh god, I feel, um, I feel old now. I think the thing that's changed the most about football since you started writing versus now was what you just described in that draft in that trade Viacom from a few years ago, where. Mm-hmm. When we when we started Grantland, which the 2011 season was the first season, we were just starting to wonder if running backs really mattered, mm-hmm. and whether we were overrating them, and what the shelf life was, and it was right on the heels of the curse of 370, and all the data the data that was coming in on overusing running backs and how quickly it could turn, and how many there were, and how easy it was to find replacements, and but we didn't totally know, mm-hmm. and now over those four years that shifted. And now it's almost like somebody like Peterson is now undervalued because we just assume running backs don't matter. You know, the Patriots just won a Super Bowl with a freaking running back by committee and Shane Vereen who caught 11 passes in the Super Bowl, and that's mm-hmm. how they won. But, but it's a position that's become devalued. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl last year with Marshawn Lynch, and I believe they came pretty close to winning it this year with Marshawn Lynch. And... Marshall Lynch, even though he was a guy they got off the scrap heap pretty much when they traded for him from the Bills, he was a first-round pick when he first came into the league. He was still a guy regarded as a very talented running back. So there's definitely a sweet spot there. And I, I think we're kind of – it depends on the guy. You know, Adrian Peterson, we know if it's it's the right year for him, he can be this monstrous threat that I don't think anyone else in football can match. But the chances of getting that guy, they're, they're, they're lower than – I think we thought maybe four or five years ago, maybe there's a 10% chance or a 20% chance that he has a, you know, a 1500, 1600, 1700 yard season. Whereas maybe I think if you're evaluating a guy like that five, 10 years ago, people would see it as more of a 40 or 50% chance. So, uh, they're definitely down and we did kind of have to find that sweet spot. And I think that's going to happen in the years to come. McShay has Todd Gurley going all the way to number six with the Jets now that he's been cleared medically. We should mention that. I remember at some point in my life, I've written so many football columns, I can't even remember what I've written anymore. But (laughs) at some point, I remember going through and calculating or adding up all the mistakes teams made taking running backs like with the top 12 picks. Mm -hmm. You know, like all the Curtis Enos type picks. Oh, God. I mean, there were... That was probably other than other than terrible quarterbacks teams took. Those are really the two positions that teams screwed up the most. And then finally they realized, oh wait, and this probably started to happen four or five years ago, where teams were like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait till the second round. Yeah, Take a running back then it'll be fine. Um, so now you have Gurley, who McShay has in the top ten. He must be really good if if teams are thinking about him that high. You would figure, but he just tore his ACL last season. It I know. just happens. I know. It, I wonder if it's like a Tommy John thing where like you almost kind of want to have a guy who tore his ACL just so you can say, okay, it's out of his system and he's going to build his leg strength. But right. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it it's very risky. I'll, I'll just say that I think Tucker was going to be a good player, and if he was available in, in the late first round, maybe the early second round, I think I would have no qualms about taking him. If it's Arizona, for example, I think Arizona, where they pick, they pick in, I believe, the 24th. That makes a lot of sense to me, given what they need in their weaknesses. But the Jets, I mean, that's that's they have Chris Ivory, who's I think pretty good, and they got him for nothing. Like, wouldn't you rather ride with Chris Ivory and take a pass rusher or take a, a you know, a, a guy who's going to improve your offense in, in a different way than drafting a running back and hoping that he's not hoping that he's the exception to the rule? I just I don't see it. Well, you know what I would do. I would I would just take uh, if 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 somehow. 
Leonard Williams was there, I would just take him and put him with Wilkerson and just <laughs> just, just worry about the rest later. Football game. <laughs> yeah, it was like you know what we're gonna do? we're going to war with these two guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, have fun, Jordan Devy and uh, and uh, yeah. Ryan Wendell. Have fun with that. See how that goes for you. Yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, speak. Speaking of Arizona, mm-hmm. they were my fate. I looked at the the future odds, which are always this is the best time to get future odds because everybody mm-hmm. is six to one or worse. And uh, and also everybody's really badly overrating Indianapolis, which I love. And, oh, and boy. I, I just think, ugh. I've got in trouble talking I, I, about the I, Colts I, bouncing back in the past. I'm going to keep quiet on this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, when when you blow two first round picks in a row, you're not winning the Super Bowl a year later. I'm sorry, uh, but Arizona is thirty to one right now to mm-hmm. win the Super Bowl. And you could look at them and you could say that team had the worst luck of anyone last year who had a chance to win the Super Bowl. Just hands down, mm-hmm. not not just the quarterback catastrophe that they had, but you know. Andre Ellington, who they were really counting on, who went seven rounds too high in everybody's fantasy league, that guy was never healthy all year either. Their quarterback-running back combo was just an out-and-out catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really hard for me to believe they're going to have bad luck like that again, and I really like that team. What do you think? Not only that, but John Abraham, who was going to be their best pass rusher, uh, had a concussion in week one, and it never came back. So they were missing core players. and It wasn't like they lost one quarterback. They lost... Two quarterbacks. They were down to uh, their third and fourth string quarterbacks in the playoffs in, in meaningful situations. I, I agree with you. I think that they're a very talented team. I, I love Bruce Arians. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. But I will say this much, and, and granted, this is with those guys. They were an 11 and 5 team. They outscored their opponents by a total of 11 points. That is right. not a great combination. So the numbers say they are very likely to drop back this year. Now, of course, that's with uh, that's with Ryan Lindley and Logan Thomas playing quarterback for them at times, and even Drew Stanton playing quarterback at them for times. So you would think if Carson Palmer's healthy for a good chunk of the year, the numbers not might not mean quite as much as they would uh, for a team that you know has the same exact talent coming back. So I'm kind of in the middle there. I, I feel like I'm not super high on them, but I, I'm higher on them than the numbers might suggest that I should be. You left out one thing: the Niners, I think, are going to suck, and they get to that's play true. them twice. So you got what, that, well, that is no longer the the group of death. Mm-hmm, but what if the Rams are good? The Rams have Nick Foles isn't great, but he's better than uh, Sean Hill and Austin Davis and the corpse of Sam Bradford, right? Are we sure? I, don't, I mean, I'm not sure, but it, I know what Nick <laughs> Foles I watched last year. I know Nick <laughs> Foles doesn't seem to be able to stay in the field. Compared to Sam Bradford, though, he stays on the field a tiny bit more. Uh, I, I he has guess. a little bit going for him. It, it's a very low standard, but um, it, it'll I be like interesting. That. I always, you know, looking in the 30 to 1 to 41 range, Arizona jumped out to me. KC at 40 to 1 jumped out to me, too. That did, that just seemed high. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the Chiefs are a team where, again, they kind of have to stay healthy because they're built around a core of really expensive, talented players. Like, they're, they're, they're top seven or eight guys. If they stay healthy, you know, they could be a 13 and 3 team. And it's kind of like the Cowboys when the Cowboys were in that, that 2006, 2007, 2008 range where if they stayed healthy, if, if their top guys were you know, consistently on the field, they were going to be good. But if they lost one or two of those guys, they were in serious trouble. So right. we'll see. Um, but well, I mean, you, mentioned at- the, you mentioned the Cowboys. Now, oh, these boy. odds are like the Red Sox odds where people, there's so many Dallas fans that the Vegas can just set the odds way lower than they should be because they know they're going to get the sucker money anyway. Mm-hmm. Like yet, last year's Bears. Yes. Cowboys are 15 to 1. Now here's the here's the caveat with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. If if Greg Hardy plays October, November, December, January, first week of February, that is the most important free agent signing of the year, other than Revis. And you know I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't know how many games did they, I don't think the suspensions come out yet. But if that guy's going to play and be healthy and stay out of trouble, that was the scariest thing any contender did in the in the off season. I thought. What did you think? He, I mean, obviously the off-field stuff is the off-field stuff, and, and it seems like he's probably going to be suspended for at least four, if not more likely six games. But the fact that they have Rod Marinelli there and they kept Rod Marinelli, who it looked like might be going to Tampa Bay after the season ended, um, he makes you know pretty bad players or pretty mediocre players look like they're very competent NFL defensive linemen. So you think he goes to, with Greg Hardy, who was 
one of the best linemen in football during his last couple of years in Carolina when he was on the field. It's it's a very sort of, uh, like like you said, impactful signing for really with their biggest weakness after losing to Marcus Ware last year. I'm just, that offense was so good last year. That offensive line was so good last year that I'm, I'm a little skeptical they're going to be quite as good this year. Not because the talent isn't there, but just because they have to stay healthy. They have to have you know, the same running game and the same sort of continuity. Granted that they just lost to Marco Murray, they're going to have to have a running back who they have to develop some chemistry with, whoever the new guy is going to be. So uh, I'm a little skeptical their running game is going to be quite as good. And if the running game is not quite as good, then, well, the entire offense might not be quite as good. Romo has to stay healthy. Des Bryant has to stay healthy. Uh, the secondary is not great. Um, Sean Lee's going to be back, which will help a lot, but we don't know if Sean Lee's going to be healthy because he's never really played. Right, he's never really been healthy. Right, exactly. So we don't know how much he's going to be there. Rondo McLean might be suspended, uh, depending on what happens with him. So uh, there's definitely talent there, but it kind of felt like last year was a situation where everything, almost everything went right for the Cowboys, and I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Yeah. I kind of like them. <laughs> it feels like if it's going to happen, it has to be this year, right? Like you need something lucky. Like the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl last year. Unless it doesn't work out with Revis in Tampa. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit of a declining stock because it was his mm-hmm. post-ACL year. He didn't totally look like Revis. And they luck out and they get him at this discount price for a year. And he has this massive impact on their team. And he's the best defensive player they've probably had in 10 years. But couldn't so you say... Have, yeah? Couldn't you say Seattle got lucky when uh, the Saints ran into cap hell and they had to trade Jimmy Graham and the Saints got and the Seahawks got him for their center and a, a draft pick swap and they came away with, you know, the best receiver they've had in, in 10 years? Couldn't you make the same case for them? You could make the same case, but in that case, you also gave up your first-round pick. and you Only got somebody, 31, though. You got somebody who didn't play well last year. Who's True. I don't... I don't. My thing with Jimmy Graham is if they were getting 2013 Jimmy Graham, I'd be like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going to be crazy. But it does worry me that he... You know, like, nobody was able to explain to me why he wasn't that good last year. What was the reason? Because he was upset about his contract, so he didn't play well? That doesn't make sense to me. He should have had a great season like he always had. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guess we'll see. You let you. So it sounds like we're going to differ on the Jimmy Graham impact. I I, I I like when we disagree. It's always good. It always works out well. Uh, I'm intrigued. I just think that there's... The possibility that he and again, I think there's issues with the running game and and some questions about how it fits into their salary cap in the future. But I mean, they just haven't had that weapon. I mean, Russell Wilson's been throwing up the seam to Zach Miller and and Cooper Heifed, and you know he was down to his second string receivers for most of the past two seasons. So this is like it could maybe be a uh, a competent passing offense. And if you get that in play, I think they could be a very good football team. Unless, of course. Russell Wilson retires to become a baseball player, which is also apparently somehow in play. Oh, stop. That's like the worst country. He should have said he wanted to be an actor. Would have made more sense. Because <laughs> he was in the Entourage movie for a minute. Uh, well, here are your best, here are your be- here's your best bet for 2016, Super Bowl mm-hmm. 50. The New England Patriots at 8-1. to one. <laughs> First of all, those are the best odds you're going to get on New England all year. Those odds are only going to go down. Um, second of all, I don't know who their AFC competition is. I don't. I don't even know which AFC team I'm supposed to be the most scared of right now. Because mm. I don't tell me it's Indianapolis. Don't tell not... me it's Denver with creaky Peyton Manning who can't play three straight months anymore. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me it's the Ravens who've angered the Karma Gods for life. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me it's Pittsburgh who has more holes than anybody. Don't tell me it's Cincinnati who can't win a playoff game. <laughs> like I'll go on down the line. I'm not afraid of any of these teams. And Not afraid I of the think Chiefs. my team's coming back. A little afraid of them, but come on. We we can't beat Alex Smith in a playoff game? I don't know. The Chiefs Chiefs just did some pretty nasty things to the Patriots the last time they played, from what I remember. Oh, water under the bridge. I don't think we we lost <laughs> once after that. Uh I'm feeling very confident about my team. And I also I left this part out. Total mm-hmm. FU mode after this deflate gate uh <laughs> embarrassment. The league should be embarrassed. I tweeted today they're either gonna release this. 10 minutes before the Mayweather <laughs> Pacquiao fight or on July 4th at 10.30 a.m. or Christmas Eve. Those are the three dates where this report's getting released. How did they not release it uh, 20 minutes after the Hernandez trial? Uh, oh, they should have done That would have been good, too. 
It's a farce. They they got nothing. And and that Ryan Gregson is the biggest sore loser and just plain <laughs> loser. I can't believe ESPN Magazine actually ran a feature trying to make it seem like he was a half-decent GM. The guy freaking traded his number one pick for Trent Richardson, who was like an <laughs> offensive guard. And then he whiffed on another first-round pick. Oh, congratulations. You signed Andre Johnson three years after he was good. Let's uh, take a victory lap, Ryan Grigson. You, you talked about Scott Chandler. You talked about Scott Chandler having played with uh, mediocre quarterbacks his entire career. Think about Andre Johnson having played his entire career with Matt Schaub and Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Great. I don't put it this way. We won't be double teaming Andre Johnson when we play the, <laughs> we play the Colts. Frank Grigson. I can't so how wait long, to thrash that team. How, that how team, long? Did, that team is my hated, my most hated football team right now. Sports. I'm hate. excited. Now I'm in yeah. on this. I'm, I'm in on you hating the Colts. Uh, I'm gonna take how, shots at them all year. <laughs> how long does the Deflate Gate fu get to last for? Because it really it didn't it apply for the Super Bowl as well. It did. But so you, we, you, we, we get to go against all the teams who had any former player who went on TV and took shots at the Pats and made it seem like this was the most horrible thing any team's ever done. <laughs> Belichick's got a list that'll be in the locker room. We're just going to go mm-hmm. through them one at a time. Well, you get you get Cowboys and Colts back-to-back on the road week five and week six this year. Then the Jets at home, the Revis return games. So that'll be a fun three weeks. That'll be excellent. They'll go right at Revis, too. <laughs> I like that idea with uh, a Danny Amendola running running his uh, his little three yard cell rats. I'm excited about that. I got two words for you, by the way, Brandon Gibson. Yeah. Brandon, are you back sneaky, on that bandwagon? Little sneaky under the radar Belichick signing. Just a little like kind of snuck it in. It was on page 27 of your transaction file. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. It, was, you know, stuck on on the middle of the Herald. Uh, I'd say a seventy five percent chance he ends up like Donald Hayes or Tory Holt, and he gets cut in June. Okay. All right, we'll see. Maze, you're, you're, Maze is on my side. I appreciate that. You're no longer on the Aaron Dobson bandwagon. Are you done with Aaron Dobson? I'm done with all tool receivers that we take in the <laughs> second round who just need to increase their football IQ. I'm done with all of those guys as a prototype. Just give me give me the guys, the overachieving guys who had to switch positions, who were former quarterbacks, but didn't have quite good enough of a throwing arm to be a quarterback and now had to go somewhere else, but they really want to make it. Give me those guys. Do you think the Patriots should approach Mookie Betts about playing wide receiver at some point this season? Oh, is that possible? It seems like it should be, right? I would also sign Jay Crowder because I think that guy could absolutely <laughs> be a fourth tight end for us. And Isaiah Thomas could return kicks. It would be cool if you were allowed to use three players from other teams in your in your city. Think the Patriots would be in good shape. Uh, what do you? What else are you working on before the draft? Anything fun? I have a great. I don't want to say it because I feel like someone's going to steal it. I have a great, oh, don't say it then. Great mock draft idea column okay. coming next week. I'll tell you off the air what it is, and you're going to love it. It's right up your alley. Put it that way. And when is trade value happening? Trade value is that begins the new year. I think we're having. I think we we have now planned officially when the annual Grantland NFL meeting, where I just yell yeah. what we're going to do for the next six months, is going to happen. Um, I think we're looking at July. July twenty second is going to be probably the debut of the. Uh, was it the fifth edition? Oh man, it's it's been a long while now at Grantland. I think the fifth annual NFL trade value column is going to come then. I'm just excited about how high I'm going to put Odell Beckham on that column. It's going to be great. I'm excited to tease the Pats on opening night with some other game I like on Sunday. Uh, and unfortunately, I can't look at the lines because Sal and I guess the lines. I don't want to cheat. But um, the Pats opening up against the Steelers made my week. That's going to be great. <laughs> we own the Steelers. That's interesting. I'm, I'm Especially going if Antonio Brown's holding out. <laughs> I'm, I, I've never been more confident as a Pats fan. It's just like, it's, a, it's a freaking victory lap right now. We're in four <laughs> Super Bowls. Oh, this is going to be great. They're going to start. F- they're, <laughs> what? They're going to start two and three, and you're going to be so off the bandwagon. So nah, quick. That was the best thing about my suspension last year. Uh, one of the only good things about my suspension last year was I got suspended right before that Kansas City game, <laughs> and and now I can say no. Nah, I was never worried because there's no record of me having any sort of reaction. So I was like, no, that's fine. I knew we'd bounce back. How would anyone know otherwise? So it's great. I always believed in you, Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Barnwell, we should mention you have a podcast, uh, the Grantland Football Podcast. What's it? What's the official title? The Grantland NFL Podcast. We don't have official NFL branding, but we might work on making that happen. All right. The Grantland NFL Podcast. You and uh, 
the baby bear, Robert Mays. Uh, you've been doing that all year, at least three times a week. You've been grinding them out. We appreciate it. We appreciate everything you do. Good talking to you, buddy. It's my pleasure. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out. Got to say, Gola, great call on grabbing Subway for lunch and getting guacamole on our subs. Told you this new guac really amps up the flavor. Yep, something adding up things can be great. Guacamole on your sub, a new co-host to replace you. What was that? Oh, no, nothing. Subway now has deliciously rich new guacamole made from ripe Haas avocados with just a hint of garlic, onion, and jalapeno. Discover how new guacamole turns up the flavor on any of your freshly made favorites. Subway, eat fresh.